0: Father, thank you for growing our trust in you as we receive the reminders of what Jesus has done. You're so kind and so loving. We generally transition out of our worship time and into the Word by uh, passing the offering baskets for the tithes and offerings. So we'll go ahead and do that. And uh, if you're giving with a check or cash, uh, if you need an envelope, they're on the tables, in the racks. I know many of you give online. Thank you for doing that. And if you're using the app uh, or you don't have the app yet, you can text a dollar amount to um, whatever the number is. And I've forgotten. Oh, I know, 84321. Could you put the giving slide up, please, Holly? Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that'll come up on the screen. There we go. And uh, so thank you for your giving. Let's uh, let's just uh, pray and say, Father, you're our provider, and uh, it's just another aspect of our trust in you. We, we come here to share with one another because we trust you and we trust one another. We receive the communion because we trust what you've done and what you're going to do. And we return the tithe to you because we trust you for all of our provision. So thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides not just financially but in every way for us. So we gladly give back to you what is yours And we thank you for your presence in this place, in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to pass one of them that way, if I may, Jane, and then put one over this way. If you want to just pass it from row to row, that would be wonderful. While the baskets are going round, I said I'd have a few things just to fill you in on. Uh, First of all, I need to remember to send greetings from Jane. Uh, she's in England with her mum and her sisters, and they're in this beautiful little um, English cottage in the countryside for a week. Uh, she sent me a photograph yesterday. I'm really jealous, but uh, they're having a good time, and uh, she's uh, she sends her love. She would love to be here with us, but she's happy being there as well. And then... Uh, I promised I would say a little more about the Bible School that we're starting in September. This is really exciting. It's just one of those doors that just suddenly opened up for us. And uh, we're collaborating with a group called Ministry International uh, to offer their accredited Bible School. And the way it works is that in uh, a two-year program, you can get your associate's degree. And uh, that's just in a two-hour class on a Thursday evening that will start the Thursday after Labor Day and uh, there's homework of course in between as well but their 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 curriculum is really close to our values and our our uh, our outlook and so really excited by that and the other thing is it's really affordable so for a two-year associate's degree you're going to pay fifteen hundred dollars at a hundred dollars a month for 15 months. Which, I mean, that's a bargain. <laughs> um, so uh, encourage any of you who have been thinking about getting further qualification to, to sign up for that. You do need to act fairly quickly uh, because in order to have the curriculum here in time for the first class, we really need your applications in before Labor Day. So. Think it through, pray it through. Uh, If you want to read more about it, I've got a a, a description of the classes here. I'll leave that on the table. I've also got application forms here. If anybody's ready for one of those, you can just come and ask me for it afterwards. Uh, When you fill out the uh, the application, bring it back to me, because we send them all off to them in one bundle. Don't send it direct to them, um, even though their address is at the bottom of the form. Um, Fanning the Flames is coming up. Um, And I should have put the date in my notes, and I didn't, but it's on the calendar. Uh, Wednesday night worship and uh, and prophetic ministry and all that kind of stuff. And then immediately after that, the Friday and Saturday is My Sister's Closet and Spirit Café which is very exciting because it's an opportunity to invite everybody from the local area to come and shop for free, but also to hear from God and receive from God in whatever way they feel comfortable. So it's a great combination of we want to help you as the kids go back to school and you need new clothes or whatever, change out your wardrobe for the winter, that kind of stuff. We call it my sister's closet because it's mostly our sisters that run it, but actually there's children's clothes and men's clothes as well. The success of that whole event depends on us sharing it widely so lots of people know. And so it's on the Facebook page, Uh, it's been in your emails, please uh, share that around because it's really exciting to see what God does. We can have all kinds of testimonies, although we won't this morning, but we could do of all the things that God has done through those events so far and I'm really excited about this next one. Uh, one more advance notice, we're going to have a lunch on September 10th after the meeting, and we're going to do that with OneReach. Most of you know OneReach use our building on a Sunday afternoon, um, and, and so Brandon, Pastor Brandon and Brianna and I have been talking about what can we do to further develop connections between our two church families. Um, and so on that day, they will be inviting all their folks to come to this meeting We'll all have lunch together and then we're all invited to stay to their meeting if we want to. So if you're up for a whole day, that's great. and If you're not, that's fine too. But please plan to be here for lunch on September 10th. All right. Um, Jamie and Jan and Ira and Robert, thank you so much for that. It was amazing because, you know, it, it really touches my heart every time because I just ask God, what do we need to focus in on uh, when we turn to the Word? And I don't tell them anything, and, and they just come out with all these songs that are really right on point for what God wants to, to say and to do. You know, Anyone would think God knows what he's doing or something. But um, This kind of follows on a little bit from what we talked about last week, because we're in a kind of informal series where we keep finding another thing that needs another week to unpack it, um, based out of the whole idea of we're pioneering something different. So church is not going to look like what it used to look like, and we're on the front edge of that in the way that we operate as more of a family and less of an organization. This is not a corporate structure. This is not an organization. We are a church family, and we are pioneering in that. And last week we looked at Romans chapter 12, two verses, um, uh, which says this, Let love be genuine abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. And you all had great input to the discussion that we had about what that looks like in practice, because those are the kind of things that we want to see happen when we gather together as our church family, as part of the wider church. And... uh, we talked about taking off our masks, didn't we? So that we, we don't pretend. But we also talked about recognizing the, the smell, the stench of striving. And uh, if any of this isn't making sense to you because you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go listen again because it was a lot of fun, the discussion we had. But um, we also said that we, we were going to be asking God to glue us to his goodness which is what it means to hold fast to what is good. And then we committed to demonstrating all three kinds of love to one another, didn't we? There was uh, unconditional love, there was friendly love, and then there was nurturing love, and we want to kind of bundle it all up together. And I would say this church family is particularly good at lumping those three, to get not lumping, sorry, that's not a good word, but uh, blending those three ingredients into one expression of love. The thing anybody says who comes to visit here or comes to become part of the family here, they say they feel the love in our church family. And that's great because that's exactly what we want to do. And then we said that we aim to outdo one another in showing honor. Remember, Crystal was like, it says, outdo one another. I love that. You know, and that was so beautiful, uh, the way that flowed in. So today, what I felt God wanted us to do was to dig a little deeper into the relational aspects of what it looks like for us to show love to one another, but then remind us also to tap into the only source of that love, which is our relationship with the Father. So I don't have anything to give to you if I haven't first got it from him nor do you have anything to give to the person sitting next to you if you haven't first got it from him. So we're kind of going to do a cross-shaped reminder this morning that flows out of what we were talking about last week. Because these are our foundational values, aren't they? We say so often, God loves every human being. God has created each human being to be unique uh, in their destiny in God. So he doesn't want you to be the same as anybody else. You couldn't be the same as anybody else if you tried. The trouble is most of our church experience has tried to make us like everybody else so we fit. (laughs) And we don't want to be that way. We want to allow God to do in us what only he can do in us. Because Jesus builds his church. We don't. (laughs) Jesus builds his church by calling together unique individuals to live in community as we try to model when we meet, not just on Sundays, but when we meet in other groups as well. Um, I've enjoyed this week since we um, got Jane and Laura off to England on Wednesday. I've met with several guys at different places and different times. And it's been great just to eat or drink coffee or chat and connect. Because that's what we all do all the time, isn't it? That's where the community part comes in. You can't really have community on a Sunday. Although if you think you're just going to sit here and listen to me... uh, push that thought aside because this is going to be a discussion again this morning. I want to hear from you. So, ears open, listen up to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Let's start with who we are, who each of us is. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So there's the connection between love and identity. Because God is love, and I didn't put that verse in, but we all know that verse. (laughs) Because God is love, the fact that he wants you and I to live as his children means that that is where we see the kind of love that the Father has given to us. He gives us love because he is love, and that makes us his children because he's our Father. I know many of you in this room have done the Father Heart schools that we host here, and we've got another one coming up in February for those who haven't yet. So ask me for the date so you can plan ahead for it. We've deliberately scheduled it further out so that uh, more folks can attend. But that is who we are, but it needs to be more than just head knowledge. Just because you can quote me this verse doesn't necessarily mean you're living in the full of it. I like what um, the Passion Translation d- uh, puts in for this. Obviously, it's a, it's a bit of a paraphrase, but Brian Simmons is very good at pulling out some of the, the truth of what it's saying that can get lost in some of the other translations. Let me read it to you. This is First John 3, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. That's what I loved about the worship, when we were singing, I am yours and you are mine. (laughs) That's exactly that thought, that feeling, that experience. So, let's hit pause there. I'd like you to think for a moment about how has your experience of being God's child, how has your experience grown since you've been in our church family? Now some of you are brand new in our church family, so you may need to go back a little before you got here, but how has your experience of being God's child grown because of your connection to this church family? Just think about that for a couple of moments. Give you another 30 seconds, then we'll hear from a few folks. All right, Linda, I think your hand went up first.
1: For me, there's something about his presence in this place that allows me to be me. And I feel like I more often hear from him and am, am free. To share what he speaks to me here, then, and I feel like I've grown in that. I'm thankful.
0: That gladdens my heart. <laughs> Robert, I think your hand was next. Um, I think the emphasis on presence here has really highlighted that in my thinking, and it's just caused me to seek it all the more.
1: I'll have to echo what Miss um, Linda shared. Um, <clears throat> I definitely feel like here I've grown comfortable in my skin of knowing who I am in Christ as far as, you know, stepping out with worship. Um, And I'd always struggled with worship um, and not feeling like I was good enough or um, talented enough for. So it, it definitely, like, I, I feel there's an acceptance in, in the presence in the room. And uh, I really feel like that I've been able to grow in that, and I appreciate it.
0: And we're glad you have, because you're a blessing.
1: I think the, the biggest thing for me is being in a family where I can rest. I don't have to do. I've always been in places where your value or your worth is by what you do. And here, there, I'm allowed to rest. And to rest in his presence, to rest in the family.
0: That's great, Carol. One more. The rest of you get to share on other questions in a minute.
2: Um, as for me, um, I don't know. I guess when I used to go to a lot of the churches, and it's kind of like what Miss Jamie said, um, freedom. Um, when I walk in, I don't have to worry about, you know, people not saying good morning. Um, And I'm a people person. I've gone to a lot of churches, and I'm sure you have too. And the minute you walk in, people either say good morning or they just turn and walk away and go the other way. And there's, like, that feeling like, wow, am I at the right place? And, and we've all gone through it, and, you know, we don't judge. So when I come here, it, it just gives me freedom, you know. I don't have to worry about saying, oh, gosh, i got to go to church this morning. It's almost like freedom. i got to get up. I want to go. It's not like I have to. I want to go. So here it gives me freedom.
0: That's great. Thank you. When Carol said about freedom from doing... It suddenly struck me. You know we used the the idea of the stench of striving. It hit me that do-do-do-do-do-do is probably the source of that smell. But anyway, there we go. (laughs) Who you are really matters. You know, for each of us my identity is no longer as an orphan, but as a beloved child. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which I guess is the freedom that Alex was talking about, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I think we've explained it before. That word we use as adoption is actually not adoption in the way we understand it. We think of adoption as, you know, there's a child who doesn't have any parents and so somebody else comes along as kind of second best and does their best to replace a parent. But actually that word, um, I will probably mangle it so Fount will have to forgive me, but it's huiothesia or something like that. It means to be placed as a beloved son or daughter. So to be put into place as what you already are. It's not a, it's not a replacement Uh, second best kind of word but the closest we have to it in English because we don't do that in our culture the closest we have to it is adoption but actually it's that we are recognized and acknowledged as sons and daughters it's what God did to Jesus at his baptism when he said this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased so we're placed in sonship and that is a place of rest as Carol was saying Because if you think about um, Adam and Eve, (laughs) they were created for rest. We said that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? God's first human children, if you like, were created for rest. And that rest was stolen from them, but Jesus has given it back. Because he's brought us back into that place of sonship. Psalm 131, I love. This is verse 2 of Psalm 131. I'll read it in the Passion Translation again. I am humbled and quieted in your presence like a contented child who rests on its mother's lap. I'm your resting child and my soul is content in you. That's God's gift to us, every one of us as a child. So let me ask you a question. What does rest look like for you when you're aware of your identity as God's child? What does rest look like for you when you're living in the truth of your identity as God's child? Anybody want to answer that one for us, particularly if there's anybody who hasn't spoken already? Yes, I day it's,
1: it's when I'm, regardless of what is going on in my day or the week or the month or the year, <laughs> I keep my eyes focused on Him. Mm-hmm. And when I'm focused on Him, it's like, Everything else around me could be on fire, falling apart, and it doesn't matter because all I hear is the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. So that's what it looks like to me. It's like his own frequency, like our own station channel, hooked onto each other, and just hearing him. That's what that looks like.
0: So focused on him and hearing his voice is the is almost the the the, the protection from all of the chaos of the world hd (laughs) there we go excellent wonderful so that is a great definition of rest anybody else scanning the
1: crowd here (laughs) yeah for me that means i am total and it's related what's already been said i'm totally free to be me i don't have to pretend anything so that people will think this or that uh i'll just be found you be mark i'll be found and there's a freedom in that i don't have to perform and i like that i can say this is what the lord's showing me because he's constantly showing me things but i can also say I'm going to wait and see if that's what's he's showing someone else. And just you know, just watch that happen. Because that's a part of who I am. I I watch, I observe, I allow other people to be who they are. And so I, I'm able to be found here. Yes.
0: And we love you being found here. Thank you. <laughs> Rose.
1: Yeah, in daily days... Uh, Sometimes it's hard, right? But I have learned that if you know God, you know, he's with you all the time. So you have that company that comforts you and feel better every single day, every single, I mean, 24-7. He's 24-7. He's a God of 24-7. He's not a God of just 8 to 2 or something like that. So it's great the peace that he gives you all the time that says, um, trust in me
0: love that. He never clocks off, does he? I'm with you always. And then Jesus said, you know, <laughs> I'll come with my father and we'll make our home in you. <laughs> That's a, a place of rest. I love it. So God is the source of um, all three of those loves that we talked about last week. There's, there's the storge love, which is his comfort. Then there's the phileo love, which is friendship and affection. And there's also agape love, the love that gives everything we need, even though we don't deserve any of it. And we're to actively express all three of those loves to one another. And so let's just shift our focus slightly to our relationships with one another. We've been focused on our relationship with the Father and what that does in our lives and how that changes us. But let's shift focus for a few minutes just to our relationships with one another. Because if you look around... There's nobody else in this room like you. We don't have to get down to the fingerprint level to understand that we're all different. But if we had to, we could get down to the fingerprint level. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. Isn't that wild? God never makes two of anybody. It's beautiful. I love it. So any of you who've heard it said, oh, you're just like... You're not. not. I break that curse off you in Jesus' name. Because you're not just like, you're like you. And we like you like you are. And God created you to be you. But too often, when we take unique individuals like each of us and then try and put us together into relationships, there's a contamination comes in, isn't there? There's a comparison, first of all. We look around well, I'll use Fount because he said, you know, I'll be and you be Mark. Okay. And I know he'll handle this. I'm, I'm sure you would all handle this. But I could look at him and see a man who's vastly superior in his understanding of God's heart and of his, underst- his academic background is way greater than mine. So I could look at him and feel threatened by comparing myself with him. He's better than me. Or I could look at him and say, uh, he's maybe got less space in his life to connect with people than I do. I know he connects with people a lot, so I'm kind of making this up. But just flow with me for a second. I could see myself as better than him in other areas. Sometimes that's a reaction to feeling inadequate and insecure on the first comparison. I find another comparison where I win and he loses. (laughs) Do you see how comparison creates competition? And all of that is a lie from the pit. Because of what we just said, God wants you to be you. (laughs) Because whenever we get into comparison and competition, we're eating from the wrong tree again. It is part of striving, totally. You know, this is better than that. Well, that's the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil. His academic qualifications are better than mine. Yes, they are, but that doesn't mean that he's right and I'm wrong. (laughs) There was all kinds of striving in Corinth when Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Um... Just one one little verse from First Corinthians twelve. He, he's talked a lot about the gifts and all the ways that they would compete with each other to be more spiritual. You know, oh, I speak in tongues more than you do. Well, I've raised more people from the dead than you have, and I've got more healings, and I've got more salvations, and and everybody's competing to be better to prove themselves. And Paul says, hey, this is First Corinthians twelve verse thirty one. He says, I'll show you a more excellent way. <laughs> You're striving to be better than each other, but I'll show you an excellent way. Anybody know what that way is? Love. Yeah. Because he goes straight on right after he says that. There's no chapter breaks in the original. So the very next word is the beginning of chapter 13, as we would call it, which is the love chapter. And when he says it's a more excellent way, I, I look that up. I'm like, what's, what's more excellent about the way of love? And it's, The word is the Greek word that we get hyperbole from. You know, where somebody's really shooting their mouth off and going to huge extremes for how much better this thing is than anything else. Paul says the way of love is way better than anything. <laughs> it's amazing. So let's unpack some ways that God has given us to express love and have um, healthy relationships. We looked at this a little bit last week, but I want to draw a couple of extra things out here. First of all, in Romans 12, we talked about outdoing one another in showing honor. Because that's where I look at you and I see the price that you've paid to get to where you are and to be who you are so that I value the price you've paid and I don't allow myself to be distracted by anything else that would reduce that value. So honour, the Greek word timeo, means to, to place a value on something, for the, the price that's paid for something. Now obviously every one of us has a huge price on our heads, it's the price of Jesus but also every one of us has gone through journeys in life that have been a great price to pay. The the hardships we've worked through and the, 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 the things that we've had to overcome and the healing we've had to seek from God in our hearts as well as in our lives. So we want to outdo one another in showing honor because that's a way of expressing love. Lest you not act on that I'm going to pause here in your notebook or in your phone or grab a piece of paper from one of the tables jot down some names of people you want to honour you might even want to put a little note of how you might begin to do that But there's got to be somebody that God's nudging you about honouring today (laughs) because otherwise he wouldn't have told me to pause and do that You don't need that much paper, but there's. (laughs) Jot down some names of people you want to honor. They don't have to be special, important people. Could be, you know, the neighbor that you've hardly met, but you want to recognize them for something or whatever. But prizing someone for the price they've paid. Maybe somebody who's gone through a lot of suffering, but you want to honor them for still being in the game. Or it may be a parent or a child who's paid a high price to be who they are. We know that the commandment to honor our father and mother has a promise with it that it will go well with us. So, This was certainly one of the keys that helped me to learn to honor my parents. Even where they disagreed with me on some things and I disagreed with them on some things. But I was able to prize them for the price that they paid. Every time I stop and think about, okay, God, who do you want me to honor? All kinds of names come to me, which is why I feel like we stopped now to jot a few down because actually the more you do this, the easier it gets and <laughs> the more honoring you can do. And actually giving honor, showing honor, is a beautiful way of expressing love. Give you another few seconds to jot some names down. You can carry on with that afterwards, but The second area, which again we mentioned briefly last week, but I wanted to kind of unpack it a little more, partly because it had come up in several conversations I've had with different ones of you through the week, is that verse in Ephesians 5 verse 21 that says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That whole idea of getting under someone else's mission and lifting up so that we submit to one another. It's another way of showing honour, if you like. The Greek word for submission is two words bolted together, as often is the case in Greek. Um, Hupo means under, and tasso means put things in order. So, hupo, tasso means to to step into place in in the order, in the structure. It's kind of the word that would be used if you've got a room full of soldiers and you want them all to line up in marching order. Okay, everybody, hupotasso. And the uh, whatever it is, the highest rank is at the front leading. <laughs> and then we all line up in our lines in our places where we belong in the structure that's been created for us. What it means in practice for us is that I choose to obey God in seeking what's best for somebody else. In other words, I'm going to renounce the comparing and competing that we just uncovered. I don't want to compare myself with anybody. I'll simply step into my place in the picture that God is painting. I can only do that if God gifts me with the ability to do that which is why I love it that we worship and say, Holy Spirit, come and burn away anything in me that's not like you. <laughs> because there's too much comparing and competing still in me for me to do that willingly. But we're to do it with one another. You know, There are different verses throughout the New Testament that talk about submission. Um, bosses and employees. <laughs> Mutual submission. Two friends submitting to one another. of reverence for christ husband and wife submitting to one another that's not the husband telling the wife what to do it's both seeking what's best for the other Um, pastors and people god places people in authority in our lives in lots of different settings to give us practice and to submit does not make you any less as a person because If you notice in, uh, where is it, Luke 2.51, Jesus submitted to his parents. It didn't make him any less Jesus to submit to his parents. It actually made him more Jesus to submit to his parents. So we don't lose out by submitting, but it's a principle that's got lost in today's world where we're all about push down everybody else so I can get above, (laughs) at least get my head above water, if not climb to the top of the heap. The problem with winning the rat race is that you're still a rat. Here's the catch, though. If you want to express submission, say, in a marriage, I can say that because my wife isn't here, but she'll watch the recording later, so I'll catch it later. But (laughs) God will unite you with somebody who's hard to submit to. Then you'll find a great church to belong to and you'll find that the pastor isn't perfect. (laughs) Or you'll start to get to know me and want to be my friend and find out that I've got a lot of faults. And some of those faults rub the cat the wrong way. And it's not just me, it's all of you as well. (laughs) Because there's no perfect people, are there? But that doesn't... Do, that doesn't erase the principle that God has created, where as we submit, well, let me put it this way: I grow in submission when I don't want to, but I choose to. I grow in submission when I don't want to, but I choose to. And submission's always a two- way street, always. So whenever I grit my teeth and go, okay, God, what can I do to be a blessing to Jane and lift her up and, and, and help her become everything you want her to be? I find that she's doing the same for me. It's always a two-way street. God will give you opportunities to grow in submission. <laughs> And you can seek input if you want to grow in submission. I guess seeking input and feedback is probably a topic we need to cover another whole Sunday on. But how is it? we every time, every time we dig into something, we come up with something else. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I've got it in my notes. We'll save that for another time. Here's why it works. Hebrews 5, verse 8, speaking of Jesus, it says, Though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Now, it's not that Jesus didn't know obedience, because of course he did. He's always been obedient to the Father. But it says he grew in his understanding and grasp of obedience by following the Father through the suffering. And if Jesus needs to do it, how much more do you and I need to do it? But here's the catch. It means that that person you find hard to get along with is probably God's gift to you to help you grow in submission. Now I've gone from preaching to meddling, haven't I? (laughs) Side note again, and this will be another Sunday sometime, but we grow in authority when we're under authority. Remember the centurion speaking to Jesus in, where was that, Matthew, somewhere, Matthew 8? So our power as witnesses in the world comes from these principles of submission and honor. Not from our own effort. So we'll look at that another time too. We grow in submission when things get difficult. So, I've got a couple of practical things to, to, to suggest. But before I get to that, go back to your piece of paper of who do I want to honor. Maybe turn the paper over. Who has God placed in your life for you to submit to? Or if you want a slightly more challenging question, who in your life do you struggle to submit to? Nobody's going to see your answers, so it's quite safe. (laughs) But who has God placed in your life for you to submit to? Just jot a few names down. Before I tell you some of the practicalities of how to do it, again, you can continue that process afterwards if you'd like to. We're nearly done, so we will be finished, and you can jot some more thoughts down. Here's the number one practical gift I could give you for how to express submission in a healthy way. When someone wrongs you, did you catch what I said? When someone wrongs you, not if, but when, when Mark wrongs you, let's make it really personal because we're all in this room and you're listening to me. Go to that person directly. Don't go to Carol and say, well Mark did this to me, what do you think I should do? Or don't go to... Yeah, right, exactly, that is the answer you would get from Carol. Don't go to Jan and say, Mark didn't say hi to me last Sunday. I think he hates me. What do you think I should do? (laughs) Go to them directly. I've had a lot of practice at this because I've had quite a few of these. As have all of us, I'm sure. But here are some practical things I've learned. A, go to them directly. Matthew 18, verse 15, of course, is that verse. But not a text, not even a voicemail, face-to-face if you can, or at least voice-to-voice live phone call, to say, not, (laughs) but, I felt like this happened, or it seemed to me that that happened, that's put something between us, can we talk about it? Sometimes that won't work. If it doesn't work with me, be sure and find Jane or any of our leaders and have them come and gang up on me with you. (laughs) But sometimes that doesn't work. And so if you don't get to resolve it that way, the instruction in the scriptures as to what to do next is that you find someone that you respect and that you submit to and you ask them to help you approach that person again. Not, you ask them, what do you think I should do about that? But would you help me resolve this? Jane and I have had a number of times in our lives where we've done that, and it has led to major breakthrough for us and for others. If Brian Betts were here today, which he's not. (laughs) He was my boss when I was at the conference center and I was waiting for him to die or resign so that I could take over. And we had this major conflict because he basically sidelined me but he couldn't fire me because the English labor laws are different from South Carolina labor laws. And we had this huge conflict and I tried to resolve it by talking to him directly, but because we were on different pages and he didn't want to give in to my need to be inflated, we couldn't resolve it ourselves. And so I went to somebody who was effectively his boss, who was also somebody I trusted deeply, and asked them to help us resolve it. And they did. And now we are the best of friends out of what would have been a very destructive conflict because we followed what it says in Matthew because anyone would think Jesus knows what he's talking about. So, All right, so let's wrap this up. Could somebody look up Matthew 20, verse 26 for me, please? Raise a hand if you're going to do that. I've got two other verses I want you to read out. So Matthew 20, 26. Who's going to do that? Okay, Ida's got that one. Somebody else get Matthew 23, verse 11. Phoebe got that one? Matthew 23, verse 11. And then uh, who else? Jan, you got your Bible out. Could you find Luke 22, verse 26, please? Luke 22, verse 26. So, Matthew 20, verse 26 was I day.
1: I have the ESV. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant.
0: Thank you. And then uh, who had Matthew 23, verse 11? Phoebe did. Thank you.
1: The greatest among you shall be your servant.
0: And then Jan had Luke. 22,
1: Luke twenty-two twenty-six says, But it is not to be this way with you. On the contrary, the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and least privileged, and the one who is the leader like the servant.
0: I just picked out three, there's lots of them, but serving is the opposite of the world's values and it's what distinguishes us. But the reason I wanted to finish with this is that we mustn't serve by striving. We must serve by loving and resting. So, final action on your part pull up your little list of people again and ask God for just a moment before I pray, ask God, how can I serve these people? How can I submit to these people? How can I honor these people? Jot down the first thoughts that come to you because those are probably God. The second thought that comes to you is, oh gosh, I couldn't possibly do that. That's you or the enemy. (laughs) That's just the way it works, folks. Just let me tell you, I've been doing this for years. That's always the way it works. Jot down some thoughts. How can I be a servant to these folks? Not because it earns me anything, but because I love them. not because I need something from them, because I already have everything I need from God, but how can I overflow from the storge, phileo, agape love that God has poured into me? How can that splash onto some of these names that I've got listed down here? Give you another minute to jot down any thoughts that the Lord is giving you. And then we'll close with prayer. So Father God, thank you that we serve, we submit, we honour, because we are loved. We don't do those things to be loved, we do them because you have already loved. We love because you first loved us. And any love that we express is just a fragment of the love that we've received. So, Father, I release over all of our hearts the ability to rest in being beloved. I release over all of our hearts the ability, the increased ability, to serve, submit, and honor that there would be healthy relationships between us and everybody around us. And I release over all of our hearts the ability to easily and quickly detect any striving so that we can see it displaced by your presence, by your acceptance, by your comfort. And by your love. So Lord as we go our different ways. Would you make us lovers. Of everyone we meet. Because you are the lover that we first met. In Jesus name. Amen.